Hello and welcome to the Every Nation Twane Moikluf podcast. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message with us. Good morning, everybody. All right, thank you, guys. Thank you, Ben. That was really an awesome time of worship. Let's give him a hand. Even at the Build Conference, I was looking at just the musicians on stage and world-class. Could be on any stage in the world. They could take any popular musician and fill the stage. But there was one major difference. They didn't do it for their own fame. They didn't do it to get more followers on Instagram, to get more popularity. They did it simply to make the one who's popular more popular. It's Christ. And may we continue to worship God in everything we do. And um, yeah, it's been a journey. To all of you, thank you for trusting us to go on this journey. Um, yeah, we sit seven months later, and I believe it's the beginning of amazing new things. After the conference on Friday night, we visited with um, one of our friends, leader. She's in Singapore. And uh, we just had a, such an incredible moment with Rachel Got back home like late, it was like 12, 1 o'clock. It's almost like last night. And uh, something happened in, um, you know, while we were kind of, I went to bed and I couldn't sleep. And the next moment God woke me up and God said to me, Phil, um, I want to speak to you. And I took my pen and I've had these moments in my life. One of them was when God told me, Stenabas, to come to Pretoria. Um, I've had these moments where God literally Give me something specific. Sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes it's future. And uh, I was like, Titus, Lord, I, I want to sleep. And my body needs sleep. And so ultimately, I lost the fight. And I got up and took my pen. I was literally sitting down. And I had an experience where my hand was just starting to write. Eight pages later, and then it stopped. And there was nothing there. And I believe God is busy sharing with me things he wants to do in our citywide church that will affect our city. I was deeply troubled after I spoke to Rachel because it's a nation with, they don't, they don't tolerate any corruption. Zero. Singapore, sorry. They tolerate zero corruption. If ministers get given gifts, they immediately have somebody next to you where they register that gift, they sell it, they take the money, and then they do something that they give it to the poor. They they, she doesn't even take blueberries. Just zero corruption. If we just have that, we'll change our nation. I said, Lord, how do we see this happen in our nation? How do we, I was like troubled. And I felt one of the things that God shared with me is, it starts here. It starts with you. It starts with me. We're most probably not going to change our nation overnight. But can you and I change? Can you and I start to become the difference? And can we, from you and I, can we start to change our community? Can we start to change our city? If we can just have a massive impact in 20, it will affect our nation. Can I hear an amen? We can easily play Sunday church. We can easily come together and have a great goosebump moment. And Holy Spirit is here and God is faithful. But we've never wanted to build a church where we're known for the gathering ability, 
for the seating capacity. How big is the church? That was never, that's never been a dream and by God's grace, never gonna become a dream. Our God has always been, how can we equip every saint so that you become powerful wherever you live, that we're more known for our sending capacity, raising normal Christians to do extraordinary things. We're busy with our reach series, which basically is our Southern Africa mandate to focus and make a priority of lost nations, the nations not reached. And it's our priority to reach those nations. The Bible says my house will be a house of prayer for the nations. And I believe what we pray, we're responsible for. It's easy to pray, but let's get on the plane and go there. Let's go do something. There's two things you need to really, as a Christian, in simplicity, worship God. You need a Bible, because without it, you will not be able to know God. And the second thing you need, you need a passport. Because you're going to battle to obey God without these two. I grew up in a small town in Fixburg. It's not even an airport. Today, I have the privilege. I remember years back, a friend of mine called me and he went to work in London and he kind of said, why don't you come with me? Let's go and work in London. Let's make money. And then let's, for a while we're young and single and, you know, um, let's go and travel Europe and see the nations. Very tempting. I said, I, I would love to go with, I just need to ask my boss. And he's kind of, do you have a boss? I said, yes, it's Jesus. I don't just do things. See, many people do things and when they get in trouble, they ask the boss to help them because it's not their boss. Many people ask, do things and then ask God to bless it. Wrong way around. Ask God what to do, he will bless it. So I asked God and God said, no, I want you to do this. I got involved on campus, started to lead students to Christ, started to disciple those students. Ultimately, I met a movement, it's called Every Nation, Morningstar, then Every Nation, and became involved with them. Next moment, I was invited to a pastor school, school in America, sitting among people, of which those friends today, I can tell you where they are, Figree and these guys, I mean, all over the world. And then next moment, I met Ferdi Kabaling. Me and Renee stayed in the same house where he was. He's from the Philippines. We became friends with him. Today, I've been over to over 50, 60 nations. I don't know that when I was at school. Involved, got friends, called right now and say, listen, I'm on my way to, you know, Istanbul. Let's, I can stay somewhere. And I've got friends there. Philippines can go all over the world to be part of something bigger. But the only reason why we're part of something bigger is because somebody took the responsibility a few years ago to do something about it. And we have a small part to play. That's 20. And I want you to hear with your heart this morning. You see, reach mandate is pray, give, and go as God calls every member to be a partner. Say this, I am a partner. I pray, I go, and I can give. So I want to take this message this morning, and we've been speaking about radical. Last week we speak about radical sacrifice. This morning we're going to speak about radical mission. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 18. Um, on the WhatsApps, I did send a PDF. You can just ask the guys around you. But you can open up your Bible, because I'm going to preach primarily from 2 Corinthians 5, Verse 17 to 18. So open up your Bibles. You can read with me. 
2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 18. Verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Therefore, if there is a therefore, it's there for a reason. If there's a therefore, something happened before the therefore. See, Paul's talking about therefore means it's a cause of something that happened before that. And you would be wise when you read the word therefore, go and check just what happened before the therefore. Because it gives you explanation. It says, therefore, you are new in Christ. You're a new creation in Christ. What is Paul saying? He says, because of something, that's something. What does it look like? Because of that, you are now new in Christ Jesus. You have a new identity. If anyone is in Christ. So what does it mean to be in Christ? We have to go and see what happens before therefore. Let's go to verse 14, which is before therefore. For the love of Christ controls us. Think about neighbors and friends. How many of our neighbors and friends are really controlled by the love of God? Imagine the effect on our marriages when we are controlled by the love of God. Imagine ministering and living among different ethnic groups and we are controlled by the love of God. What would be the difference? Friends, we could see our city change. We could see a radical impact if we are controlled by the love of God. What does it mean? Because we have concluded this. This is what it means. That one has died for all. And therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves. But for him who for their sake died and was raised. You see, once we realize what Christ did for us. And what he saved us from the natural response would be thankfulness and love and not obligation and task. When Christianity is a set of things that I have to do, the love of Christ is absent. There's a lot of things the Bible tells us what we need to do, but if we miss the motivation that makes me and you to do that, then we will do things out of religiosity as if we have to do things to gain things, to you know, kind of win God's favor or to set ourselves free or to just help us with our you know, conscience and so on. But that's not the motivation. The most motivation is I need to understand what he did for me. And once I understand what he did for me, what did he do? He died for me. He literally paid the whole full price on my behalf. If you've got a bill that you need to pay or some kind of, you know, legal thing and you have this $1 billion to pay and you can't pay it. And because you can't pay it, you have to actually be put in jail. Ultimately, you know, they decided, you know, they're going to put you on death row. And right before the moment they press the button to literally put you in flames, somebody walks in and says, hang on. I'll pay the $1 billion. How would you feel? It's really difficult emotionally to explain that because we don't think we're on death row. It's like, but if you're really, really in a desperate moment where your life is hanging in the balance and somebody else walks in and says, I'll pay for you $1 billion for your life, would you feel valuable? 
Would you want to know why me? A billion dollars? Make it a trillion dollars because we can't put value on it. Why would you pay for me? And then after that, why must I do some few? Why must I get up Sunday morning at five o'clock? Why must I do that? Why must I give money? Why must I? You will never have that attitude. See, complacency in Christianity is coming from an unthankful heart that does not understand what happened at the cross. And we live in the arrogance of thinking we're okay apart from Christ. The moment the gospel touches our hearts, it changes our attitude and it changes our service. It changes our generosity. It changes our thinking. And we no longer live for ourselves. We start to live for something else. He died for all so that, here's the purpose, that we all follow him through the cross. How do we follow? We don't have to go and die on a cross because he already died for us. We follow in his footsteps where we say, Lord, because you died for what? For my sin. I'm going to turn my back on self and sin and follow you. Dying to self is at the core of Christianity. You find the world that are not saved. They live for self. They believe in self. They worship self. Everything is about self. But here's the challenging part. When you and I become born again, and we are radically saved and we're thankful and we participate in the salvation that Christ gave me. But after even being saved, I live exactly like the world. My attitude, my service, my thinking is like the world. Now Paul goes on. I said, therefore here is that. There is no other response after we understand what Christ did for us that we cannot live the same. Our lives must differ. Our priorities must change. The way we think about business must change. We are not like my colleague. My colleague's not saved, I'm saved. I'm doing business because I have a bigger purpose. He may do business for any other reason, but I am changed. I'm thinking different. Verse 16, from now on, now that you changed, now that you know what Christ did, from now on, therefore, why is they therefore? Because Christ died for me and I understand he died for me. That's the foundation. Because I understand and I'm grateful what he did for me. Therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. There is a change here. What is he saying? He says we regard no one according to the flesh. I'm going to make this really practical. The way we see someone influence the way we respond to that person. When my wife walk in, I know my wife and I respond to my wife. When my wife calls me, when I see in my meetings, I don't answer the phone in my meetings when normal people call me or just anybody calls me because I think it's rude. Cell phones are very rude. They interrupt conversations normally now. But when my wife calls me in a meeting, and all of our leaders, we've made this. And that's why I say, please call me when it's really urgent. Because I see the name, Renee. I answer. I respond differently. There's something else. Imagine this. You're sitting in a coffee shop in Bella Bella. 
and uh, you meet this person and you start to talk to this person. This person asks you, do you know the sport rugby? And the guys, you say, yes, I do. And the guys start to ask you questions about rugby. Man, and the more questions you ask, the more you start to share with him because you played for Bella Bella's first team in that first year and that whole year you won no game. But I mean, you start to, you know, speak to this guy and you explain to this guy the rugby and everything. And it's almost like you go into this coaching mode, telling him everything about rugby. And, and I mean, you have this amazing one-way conversation and it you share with him everything, but you've never won one game in your life. But this is it. And then another friend walks in. And a friend walks in, and his eyes are like this. And he greets you, and then the next moment he says, do you know who that is? I said, no, I don't know. Do you know who you're speaking to? And you say, no, who is it? It's a Rossi. He's won the World Cup in rugby. When you don't know who Jesus is, you're going to think you're the coach. You've never won one moral game in your life. You've never won any spiritual war in your life. But we are so wise when we come to Christ. No, we don't do church this way. We do it this way. We don't do, and we have so many opinions and it makes us passive. The better posture would be Hello, who are you? I'm Rossi. All ears, speak to me. I have nothing to offer. Humility is the foundation of Christianity. And when there's no humility, there is no Christianity. It's once you and I realize we are on the other side and we need the Savior in our lives. Paul says, we regard Christ no longer according to the flesh. We don't respond to him the way normal sinners respond to him. Ask yourself this question. Your friends, your colleagues that do not know Jesus, how do they respond to Jesus? If you speak to them about Jesus, how do they respond? If you say, Jesus asked us to go and do this, we're going to this nation to do something for Jesus, how do sinners respond? That's not my priority. We're here to make money. We do this with that. No longer should you respond like your sinner friends. No longer do Christians respond like the normal people in the flesh. We respond spiritually. We no longer regard Jesus like lost people regard him. We have found a new value in Christ. We have found a new Savior in Christ. We have found a new Lord in Christ. And we submit to Him different from the world. No longer like the normal people. We're different. You see, that's what God's calling Him. So that we no longer live for ourselves, but for Him. Just imagine, just this group of people no longer live for ourselves. We start to live for him and his purposes. We will change the city. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what does it mean to be in Christ? I no longer live for myself. I don't regard Christ in the flesh anymore. Therefore, I'm in Christ. I have surrendered to his lordship. I'm following him. I'm a new creation. The old has passed away. I'm, I've altered my living and I have found new direction, a new creation, which means a new identity means I'm born again. And now we've come to the second point. 
I have found a new purpose in life. A calling, verse 18. And he gave us the ministry. See, you will not understand the gave us and the ministry and what must I go and do unless I understand first, what am I in Christ Jesus? What have I in Jesus? And once I discover that, and I'm in Christ Jesus, and I'm thankful what he's done for me, and I'm so grateful that I have the benefit of knowing the Savior, and I'm eternally, is my name written in the book of life, and I have this value in Christ. The next phase would be not an obligation. It becomes a natural outflow of my thankfulness. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ. God has reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Who is he who gave us this calling? If we don't know who he is, we will respond inappropriately. It's Jesus who reconciled us. And if you and I are reconciled, those who are reconciled, he's now, Jesus has given us a ministry. He's given us a purpose. You are not living on earth purposeless. You're not waking up tomorrow morning purposeless. You're not going to work purposeless. You're not just saving money purposeless. You're not just relating purposeless. We have a purpose. You wake up tomorrow morning and you say, Lord, it's all about you and it's all about people and your kingdom come. You have a purpose. You have a ministry. You find in the church world, one of the amazing things that immediately when you get saved, people say, find your purpose. Let's find, you know, discover your gifts and discover your abilities and all of that. And we want to become very individualistic. Like, I know I am a prophet. And this is what I do. And I'm, not, I'm an evangelist. And this is what I do. And I'm a businessman. This is what I do. I want to help you. Unless you have this as foundation, the rest can mislead you. When you focus on the specialization of your gift, you'll always neglect the general foundation of Christianity. When you idolize me, you've just lost that you're a God Christ again in the flesh. You see, we are not generalists, specialists. Does every Christian have to know God's voice? Yes. It's not specific. It's general. Must every Christian live holy? Yes. Must every Christian care about lost people and make disciples? Yes. Are all Christians called to be evangelists, prophets, teachers, business this or that? No, that's specific. Nobody ever falls because of the specific. Because he's a pastor, therefore he fell. Because he's a CEO, therefore he fell. They always fall because they neglect the general call. They're no more humble. They no more hear God's voice. They're no more accountable. It's always the general that breaks the specific. But we idolize the general because I've not come to the self-dying. It's not about me. See, God's calling us. His purpose is... When we found Christ and said, Lord, you've called me. I am in business. I am in teaching. I am this. But because I'm there, I am a person with a calling that defines my vocation. My vocation is where I live out my calling. What is my calling? I have a message to live and I have a message to share. I'm reconciled with Christ. And whatever I do, 
I'm bringing this Christ into the boardroom. I'm bringing this Christ into the classroom. I'm bringing this Christ into the sport field. I'm bringing this Christ into everything I do. Why? Because I am called. And this is my calling. Brings me to my third point, verse 20. Therefore, because we understand that we are in Christ, and because we're in Christ, we have a new calling, and because we understand and we embrace the new calling, it puts us on an incredible mission, a radical mission. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors, for God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's amazing what Paul is doing here. He's building a kind of hamburger. He put the bun down in the beginning. In Christ, he died for us so that all will die. And then he gave us the whole thing inside. Who are we in Christ? And what is our calling and everything? And then he ends it with, he says, let me just remind you, Christ died for. And he closes again with another bun. And he puts the meat in the middle. See, Christ, he says here, because Christ died for us, because you don't belong to your soul, because you embrace and you're thankful what Christ did for you, you are a representative of this grace. You are incredible. Have this amazing privilege to walk into a boardroom, to walk into a place, to walk into the world. And I am not of this world. I belong to another I mean, if you were really born out of royalty in a place where your real dad is the king of something, I don't want to call something because we all have that, no, not that one, that one, okay, but that one that you think of, you're the king's son, you walk into your king's daughter, I mean, you walk into your tribe and you walk into on earth and into a place and people look, oh, that's, just, that's the king's son. And you kind of, like, that's, that's like embarrassing. No, it's not. That's like a weight. No, it's not. It's an incredible privilege. But as the king's son, with that privilege comes a responsibility. How do I represent that kingdom? In simple terms, Paul says, you and I are ambassadors. If you look at ambassador, just the word ambassador, my friend, you work a lot with ambassadors. The moment you say ambassador, you have to include nations. There's no need for ambassadors if there's no nations involved. Immediately when you say the word ambassador, you are thinking about more ethnic groups, more tribes, more other people. You're thinking about nations, and we are not from this nation. We are not from South Africa. We're not from the world. We represent a different kingdom and a different king, although we live on this earth. Paul says, you are representing. You have the honor. You've been invited. You've been elected, and you've been appointed to represent something different. You have a calling. And because you are in Christ, you therefore have a purpose. And that purpose is that you represent and represent and present a different kingdom. Because you understand you are radically saved and God's radical love and God's radical salvation should result in radical service and radical mission. Yesterday, the guys went out to Easterus. And what God is doing, and just in a short period of time they went out, what God was doing just in Easterus, 
Next weekend, we're sending a group that's going to a group of people who are gathering in Tabazumbi. And they're doing their very first victory weekend. 30 people coming together in Tabazumbi. Next weekend, Marinus will take a team there. And they're going to go and do a victory weekend in Tabazumbi for people. I mean, may God open up our hearts, say, Lord, in our nation, beyond our nation. Lord, we want to see something happening in Tanzania. We want to see something happen in different parts of the world. And we have the honor Think about your skills. Think about your gifts. Think about your business and say, how can I participate? Can I open up a door? Can I create a connection? When I'm there, can I look while I'm doing business? I'm trying to find a key. Hey, I met this person. I think this person opened. Can we walk with this person? Michal called me one day. He said, Phil, I'm on my way to Bahrain. He's a business guy, but he's not a normal business guy. He's one who understands his calling and his gift. He understands his mission. Phil, I'm not just here creating, we don't just create scaffolding. They make all the scaffolding, manufacture them in brain. On his way into the scaffolding company, factory, he's not thinking about scaffolding. He says, Phil, do we have a church there? I said, yes, we do. I don't find them on the internet. You won't. It's a creative access nation. Okay, I'll find you the details. Got the details of our pastor, sent it to Michal. I said, here's the leaders. He called the leader. Made a connection. Later on, I get a WhatsApp. Hey, Phil, here we're standing in a Muslim nation, in a hotel. We're praying together. Building a friendship. Next moment, we're now employing the people in their church in our factory because we want to see no more Christianity flow through. That's somebody who's a businessman on a mission. Business people, you have creative ideas. You've got creative ways. You have already God's position in places. But I, I hope this morning you hear my heart. We have to change the way we do business. We have to way, change the way we think about business. We cannot just continue as is and expect different results. We're going to have to start to become the ambassadors. God's called us on a mission, changing our nation, changing culture by the way that we don't do it like the other people because we don't regard Christ according to the flesh anymore. We have changed. Unless this happens, you tell me how will we change the world? Must we just build bigger churches and hope people come on Sunday and hear a message? That is not the way it's going to happen. It's the empowered church that will change the world. And it's not just a church who gathers on Sunday. I pray that God would give you guys excitement, not obligation. Dream. How do we change this factory? How do we change, change this company? How do we change things around us? Let me conclude. Being in Christ is both a privilege, but at the same time, it's a responsibility. We are saved and sanctified in Christ, but our salvation immediately implies His purpose and therefore His mission. How we live is affected because of why we live. Have you ever thought about that? How we live is deeply affected by just answering this, why do you live? Why are you and I alive? Because he saved us. Because we're born again. That changes how we live. Because of Christ, we live because of Christ. We live for Christ. And therefore, we have a purpose and we are on mission. The church without a mission, the question is, is it still a biblical church? If she's not on mission, is he still the church? The church is missional. 
It's not every nation. Biblically, from the start in Genesis, the church is missional. Christ, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit came to the earth, created the earth. The Spirit of Christ came to the earth. Jesus was sent to the earth. Everything about God in his whole heart is reaching out to a lost world. If God was not missional, none of us would be here today. That same principle applies if we're not missional. There's many people who won't benefit from this. If you say, Phil, how do I fill this empty gap in my soul? How do I make sense of money and purpose and everything else? Find God's mission. Business aligns. Business does not define. Business submits. Business aligns. I find too many business people, incredible people, godly people. Oh, this belongs to God, really, but who makes the decisions? You. Is this business going to take the gospel and the church to the world? No. Question. No, we do great things. Building hospitals, good. You're getting sick people healed. Great. I do believe it's good. But if they don't get saved, you're going to take sick people who go to hell, make them healthy, and they still go to hell. That's not the gospel. Let's feed them. Great. We have to feed people. But unless we preach the gospel, don't get me wrong, we have to get people healed. We have to educate. We have to feed. But if we take people and we feed them, but we fail to give them the gospel, we'll take hungry people, and now they're no more hungry, but they still go to hell. We cannot redefine the purpose of the church. Every single businessman must be submitted to the local church. It's God's way of doing things. Friends, if we can get this right, we'll change the world. And there is an anti-thing that wants to limit and literally cripple the church. Through my church, I will show forth my manifold wisdom. Christ is the head of the church. You are part of church. Let's be that church. In the simplest way that you are, with your personality and the little bit of influence God's given you, be that. May God give you dreams. May you wake up in the night. May you not go to bed and grab your pen and start to write that God show you what he wants to do. So let me end. Our purpose of calling should direct, define, and influence everything else we are called to do. That's radical living. We are saved into purpose and onto mission. We are saved into purpose and onto mission. God wants through you and me, through your family, through your business, through your relationships, through your connection. God wants to can he use you? Will you be a pipe? Will you be a channel that God can flow through? That's all God's asking you. And if he use you, what a privilege. Don't let the enemy give you negative ideas about God's mission. It's going to limit you from the amazing experience of being used of God. I have never regretted whenever I see God use me to affect people's lives. I regret when I become passive. Father, we thank you for your people, beautiful people, men and women that I know that are here today because they love you. 
They're here today because they want to make a difference. I'm not preaching this morning to convince them. Lord, I'm preaching this morning to motivate them so we can change people around us. When you sit there and say, Lord, how can my business align more with your purpose? How can I align more with your purpose? Ask yourself, are you regarding Christ and his mission still according to the flesh? Why don't you say, Lord, sorry, change my thinking. The people who work for you, who work with you, you see them as souls or just colleagues? Precious. Jesus died for them. If not you, then who? If you don't know how, we can train you. Just say, Lord, I'm available. Would you say this morning, Lord, I'm available. Use me. Father, I pray that we will start to see radical changes in our own lives, our families, our businesses, our schools, our campuses, every aspect of our city because of radical living, because people on a radical mission in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And that concludes today's message. For more information, visit our website at everynationswane.org forward slash moikluth. That's everynationswane.org forward slash moikluth. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Till next time then. Yeah.